Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from our campground studio currently located at Desert Hot Springs, California. Overlooking the snow-capped peaks that surround the... Warm and cozy desert. Well, I was going to say the Inland Empire. (laughs) We're now watching the L.A. News because we're only 100 miles from L.A. And they talk about the Inland Empire. We've been through this area before, but it was longer ago than I care to admit. I find it somewhat confusing because so many of the towns have similar names. Palm Springs is the one you've probably heard of, but there's also Palm Desert and... Desert Palm Springs. And and Hot Springs. and (laughs) Caliente, blah, blah, blah. Clearly, uh, (laughs) early settlers found warm water bubbling out of the earth, which at certain times of the year is probably a good thing. And having water in the desert reliably is a very good thing. So you can understand why people have settled here. But at this time, the towns kind of blur together in our minds, and we often are not exactly sure where we are. But we're glad to be in <laughs> more reliably yes. warm and sunny and, weather. And, but with nice snow-capped peaks around us. That's that's also The very scenery cool. is beautiful. Because we drove up to about 5,000 feet yesterday, and it was quite chilly, whereas today it's almost 70. So, oh, finally you, we're getting if, some decent If you've weather. got money, I would recommend this area. We're mm, finding yes. it a bit pricey. We're having to be extra creative and crafty to find affordable <laughs> places to stay. And we can always stay once. <laughs> we're about to go to some kind of a timeshare buy-in <laughs> talk for this campground, uh, which made hey, the current campsite half price. So it, time is money, I guess. And Time is money. And it's a nice campsite, and we're in, enjoying being here. Uh, since our last podcast, we have uh, been doing a bit of traveling. We were in Phoenix the last time, and we went back to Quartzsite for a boondocking rally, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. And then we traveled to... Aguanga, California, <laughs> to the escapees park called Jojoba Hills. Um, this is a park that is owned by the residents, and you have to be an escapees member to stay there. And, and over there, 55. And there are very few uh, free sites because everybody who owns their site leaves no. their rig there. There are no free sites, so, but empty sites. Empty sites. So we were lucky to have a personal connection that helped us to be able to stay for a week for $14 a night. Ooh, Another good even deal. a better deal. That was near Temecula. Uh, a lot of people either really like Temecula area or they don't like it at all. It was about 30 miles from the ocean and about 50, 60 miles from San Diego. Pretty nice place, Beautiful but uh, rather remote. Yeah, It's wine country. It's sort of yes. a mini version of Napa and Sonoma. And from there, we have traveled uh, to the... Oh, over a very interesting road, the Pines to, to Palms. Palms Highway. I was really, we, we just drove there from Quartzsite. Quartzsite, and at the end of the, we get off the expressway, and Martha says, well, the GPS says we go on this highway, and so we drove up, and the long straightaway where we went up 2,000 feet, the, the motorhome was really uh, breathing hard, hard, and then we went on this road that was very twisty, windy. I haven't driven on anything like that since Alaska, and I'm driving along, and we're 
going through the U-turns and the pair pins and up and down. And, and we I never went up- saw so many zigzags on the GPS ahead of us. And we were using our Ram McNally set on RVs. Yeah, so, yeah. so it said we, we were could do it. confident that we could do it. But I was gripping my <laughs> seatbelt with white knuckles. And, and I I'm kept- just kind of having a good time because I enjoy driving on roads like that. And I kept shooting glances at Ken because I couldn't look out the window. It was too terrifying. And he was happy as a clam. So I thought, fine, we'll get there. And we did. And when we got to the campground and told people the route we had taken. (laughs) You drove over that road with your RV. And and then I got nervous because then, because we were coming back the same way. Same route. Same route. I was like, oh, did I just luck out? Or was I just not paying attention to how bad the road really was? Were there really drop-offs that I should have been much more worried about? I mean, we we were going 30 miles and 35, 40 miles an hour, so we were going pretty slow, and I had to pull over quite a few times to let the cars pass. And, you know, I'm I'm a courteous driver. uh, And the engine brake kept you going The engine brake is is wonderful that way to keep me from uh, slipping too far or too fast downhill. But, uh, as I say, it didn't really bother me until I got to the other end and people said, what were you thinking of going over that route? The alternative, however, was uh, over 115 miles. So 42 miles as opposed to 115 miles. At 50 cents a gallon, I'll take the, uh, the short route. Only if you're Most of the highly, a highly skilled driver as the well, RV I navigator s- is. I don't consider myself to be highly skilled. Well, I do. Kudos but, to you. Well, anyway, it was an interesting drive, and if you're going that way, it is a great scenic drive. And that I was would a beautiful road. Yes, and I had nice overlooks. It. And it, the day we went was just both days was absolutely scenically beautiful. And you, boy, the first the first uh, five or six miles, you go up three, from four thousand feet, and then you overlook it, and it's it's really a very scenic. Is this all the whole? We're in a valley here. This is one of the first times in a long time that we have actually been below sea level. It's weird. And, and you can go so much above sea level right. so quickly. Yeah, we went to Joshua Tree National Park yesterday, and we're at four and 5,000 feet. So uh, you really get some mountain driving, but it doesn't seem like mountains uh, like in uh, in Colorado. It's not like the Rockies. No, not like the Rockies. So uh, it's a, a nice place to visit, and we have enjoyed our stay here so far. Uh, gee, this, this podcast is really chocked full of great information, and it's going to be mostly just uh, us and what we've been doing because... We have a great interview with our friends uh, Howard and Linda Payne, who run RVDreams.com. So we're going to cut our portion just a bit short so that we can share with you at least half of their thoughts. Oh, yes, just half, because you'll have to tune in next month if you want to hear the rest of the interview. Uh, We told them it would only be half an hour, but when we got talking, it lasted an hour. So we're going to uh, cut it into two parts and have interviews both months and course we have lots to talk about too and one of the things that i wanted to this month has been a a red letter month for emails to the rv navigator Uh, i do try to answer all of your emails when you send them to me um it has been keeping me busy this month but it's great that you uh care enough to to send us an email right and uh the comments have been laudatory i did want to as i say read a couple of them because we want to comment on them um our friend andy beal i'm hooked on your podcast and look forward to each new edition every month thanks very much I was wondering what your favorite podcasts are, and uh, I'm interested in in adding one or two of them that I may not have heard of. Well, I'm sure he's talking to you because he wants to know about technology podcasts, which, which except for the one from NPR, I don't listen to at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just type in technology and listen to them all. But we listen to some travel ones. Yeah, and I take a more liberal arts approach to life, and I like the ones from Slate, which keep mm-hmm. me up on current events and cultural activities, and the ones from The New Yorker, which I read avidly, and then a lot from NPR for just the news and what's going on in the world. They have a lot of good ones. Uh, we love This American Life. We like uh, Prairie Home Companion. Wait, wait, don't tell wait, me. Wait, wait, don't tell Car me. Talk. Car Talk. All those from NPR, as well as the newsy ones, and they have a technology one. But one that you may not be as familiar with is the TWIT Network, This Week in Technology, run by Leo Laporte. Uh, Leo has been a longtime technology guy. I definitely think along his lines. And he does uh, not only This Week in Tech, but This Week in iPods, This Week in iPads, all sorts of technology podcasts uh, on the Twit Network. So take a look at twit.com and you will see their complete listing. Or, of course, go into iTunes and take a look at uh, the listings there. Um, Other ones that you might want to listen to, I listen to Click, which is the BBC's technology podcast. We like podcasts for on the road and we listen extensively while we are traveling in our motorhome. And of course, that's why we make this podcast is so that you will have something to listen to as you are driving down the road, which we hope you are doing right now. Is the engine purring as you drive? Uh, I've been listening to all of your old shows and remembered... You would like to have a freezer to go along with one that's in your fridge. I wanted to be able to have some extra space to keep food that I buy in bulk. Saves money, times is better for food in to buy food in larger sizes. I found that Edge Star Products makes about just about everything. I got the Edge Star 63-quart 12-volt DC portable refrigerator in gray. This is from Ricky Morgan. And thanks Ricky, we have thought about a fridge. For our a freezer, a freezer for our motorhome, and he mentions that this one is dramatically cheaper, but looks the same as the Dometic. You look at Camping World, and you find them for eight hundred and eight hundred fifty dollars on sale. That's a lot. And this one, uh, looking on the web, was about four fifty. So that's a substantial savings uh, if you want a fridge. And your feelings about freezer. fridge? If you want a freezer. Um, well, if I was the queen of this RV, I would take out the ice. If. I would take if. out the ice cube maker because I don't need ice cubes, and it takes up one quarter of our freezer space. And like you, when we go to Costco or Sam's, I get frustrated because I would like to buy, you have uh, to have ice. large packages of somebody has to, I have to have frozen to salmon or whatever. So you I can't like do that. Ice. But thus far, we have decided against the freezer because um, an external freezer. Yeah, an additional freezer because it takes up practically a whole storage bay and we have all this other stuff we think we need to bring <laughs> and on those occasions when we, we be without our tools when we boondock which we do every so often uh that would be a huge drain on the batteries and then what would you do with all the food that's inside yes so we have decided not to go with a freezer but if you're interested and you're looking at one and price has been an issue then you might want to take a look at the edge star 63 quart 12 volt dc portable fridge freezer Next, uh, we do want to thank our friend Bill Joyce for all of his suggestions. Um, Bill has been a, a email fanatic and been sending me ideas for fixing our jacks. Did we mention this? They broke again. Did we mention the... Oh. We especially went back to Lazy Days in Tucson to get them fixed. They worked twice, and now they have broken again. I can see Moscow, Moscow Iowa, Iowa in my future, <laughs> and I am not a happy girl. Well, this gives you something to look forward to. 
something not to look forward to. Going to, and we hope to get them fixed. It was only a thousand dollars. Yeah, to get them for on two top nights. of the, so five hundred dollars a night. night yeah, we're really dance. frugal here. <laughs> Well, so oh. far we've been staying in fairly level places. And if we could go back to Tucson and, and Lazy Days, we would, but that would cost us more than than getting them fixed. Uh, Bill has been very helpful, and because he has lived in this area and camped extensively in the western part of the United States. Which we have us, not. Which he, he gave us lots of good tips, so thanks a lot, Bill. Uh, another one comes from, I don't know the name, it's Tinted Graphics. <laughs> Well, but anyway, a, plug in there. A, a nice, yeah, uh, a nice email. <laughs> I enjoyed your podcast, and unfortunately, have the ga- the gadget disease just like you. I really recently picked up a Sony N six and a Next six camera. I'm finding it loads of fun and trying very hard to find something that it cannot do that my 60D does. And of course, I have the Canon 60D, which I love as a camera, not only doing video but stills. And I can't imagine trading it in on one of these new mirrorless uh, back. But I did I did look at the next 6, the Sony. And the thing that I have always had criticisms about is, is that they don't have a viewfinder. And I love the big, bright viewfinder on the 60D. And how do you find this, having just having the LCD on the back? Um, I don't like it, especially yeah. in bright, sunny weather as we're having here. Yeah. And what I have learned to do to cope with it is to kind of study the scene that I want to take and look for some outstanding feature that I might be able to recognize <laughs> in the viewfinder. And I usually shoot way big and then crop because I'm so afraid I'm going to cut something out that I want to have in the picture. So it's a strategy, but I would rather have a viewfinder. Anyway, these new mirrorless cameras have all the features of a digital SLR without having the pentaprism and the mirror and other other things that make those cameras rather large. But with the lenses that I require, namely mega, mega telephoto, <laughs> will it fit in my pocket? Well, it uses the same lenses as my camera. So it won't. So the uh, advantage of these cameras is that they have the same size sensor. Uh, in other words, a rather large sensor compared to the, the point-and-shoots have a much smaller sensor, therefore lower picture quality just inherently, even though they might have the same number of pixels that they record when you take a picture. But unless I'm making a picture that's yeah. bigger than 8 by 10 do I care? No. Okay. Well, you care because sensitivity is down. Hmm. And if you were taking pictures in low light or you need a high ISO rating, then you're going to be in trouble. But there's also the sensitivity issue of the muscles in my well, spine. That's always a trade-off, and that's exactly what they're saying when they when with the Sony Next 6. But it has an electronic viewfinder, which you can add to it. Which would be nice. So that you can put it up to your eye and see what you're going to shoot. I've never been very happy with... Uh, electronic viewfinders but maybe there's been some big uh, changes in that and i'm not really sure i'm ready to change my canon 60d and trade it in for that you're still willing to be a sherpa yeah well uh, they've gotten a lot smaller lately but i and i but i haven't gone to full frame either he also sent us a nice photo with uh (laughs) something we mentioned last time and that was the hidden cell towers that are going to be installed in the national parks and he sent us one here with a picture which looks I'll, just like a pine tree it's it pretty does. cool it does and i've seen some here that look like palm trees which is also apropos i guess they can put up cell phone towers that w- will be nicely disguised so what would we have a stock of corn a <laughs> hundred foot high starter corn a little mini sears tower in our no, suburbs we have to have an oak tree or a- <laughs> 
it's some sort of tree anyway, but pine tree would look okay for us. <laughs> Another activity that we did uh, while we were in Phoenix, uh, we actually camped in the middle of urban Phoenix because we were attending a Rhodes Scholar, and we've talked about them before as Elder Hostels, but they have changed their name to Rhodes Scholar, a photo workshop on the desert. This one was especially appealing to us because the lead instructor uh, has worked for all of his life for Arizona Highways Magazine, which is noted for a stunning photography of this very picturesque state. And we knew that he would take us to lovely spots that we might not have found on our own, and indeed he did. This is probably our fourth Road Scholar program focusing on focused, photography, yes. and we were quite impressed at the caliber of our fellow students. We went to some not too long ago where you felt like people hardly knew how to turn on their camera, and this group was very um, well equipped and knew their equipment and knew what to do, and it was a very stimulating, um, enriching experience. So now we have thousands of pictures. Well, they actually took us to some very interesting places. They took us to the Desert Museum, which was excellent. In Phoenix. We went to, right, we went to the... Lost Dutchman State Park in ah, Apache yes, Junction took, yeah, for took, a fabulous sunset view. Right. And we went to Sedona. Sedona. Um, and we had um, AM spectacular weather, BM crappy weather. No, no, PM. Um, <laughs> PM crappy weather. <laughs> As the clouds rolled in and it began to snow because Sedona is at elevation. Yeah, but we were there. We, it, it snowed the day before, so some of the pictures we got were actually very sunny blue sky pictures with snow uh, in the foreground. Um, so Pretty that cool. was that was nice. Yeah, so it was a very they interesting took us time. to a ranch, right? So if you're thinking about doing a road scholar, consider and you're in your RV, consider doing it as a commuter. And some of the sites, when you go on the Road Scholar website, um, list sessions with an RV option. But we have found that even if they don't mention it per se, you just have to ask. And then they knock off the price of what you well, pay they, they call it a commuter in a hotel. And then you can stay in a nearby campground and participate as all the other so people So we do. stayed about 10 minutes away from the hotel in that Tempe. was the central hotel and in Tempe. And that was very convenient to drive there in the morning. And we were able to participate in all of the activities activities just as the other participants but we were the only ones who were commuters uh, and we were not commuters <laughs> in we the usual sense because we didn't live Illinois. in we didn't live in Phoenix but uh, because we had our RV we could uh, save the cost of hotel and we frankly would rather stay in our RV rather than staying in a hotel anyway so that was a good experience. Those uh, road scholars run Sunday through Friday, and we had field trips uh, most every day to take us to interesting photographic places. And the reason why we do them is because these folks know where to go to get the great pictures, and they certainly did. They took us to some great spots, you know, at the sunset or sunrise. And he could. <laughs> this guy was very helpful because he could say, "Now stand here. This is where the picture is." And uh, he knew. He, he knew right. Even though the weather did not cooperate fully, so not all of our pictures are great, but we still uh, can maybe go back and reshoot them. And I always enjoy going to these for the sharing sessions because it's amazing to me how 25 people can go to the exact same yes. spot and get such different takes on the scenery in front of them. It, it really stimulates your imagination and gives you other ideas. And we try. should mention that there were all levels of photographers there. There were people there with just point-and-shoot cameras and then others with... Uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. dollars worth of equipment. 
Uh, so yeah, and some people knew how to use their thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment, and others didn't. But once again, it's uh, just like with the rally; it is a sharing experience, so that the symbiosis of the people getting together and you know, how do you like this, and what's this, and how do I use this? All of those things are uh, very, very good to expand your horizons. And we always like the Road Scholar programs because the people who take them are well-educated, interesting people, fun to talk to about all sorts of things. Okay, so that's the ad for Road Scholar. Be sure to get their catalog because it's extensive and thick. They have and they have a great website. And they have educational learning programs uh, throughout the world, in, definitely in every state. And uh, you can travel any international, place, programs international programs and cruise programs, cruises, yeah, all sorts of extensive. stuff. So, so if you are looking for a travel program and you're over fifty-five, or I think over fifty, 50 now, now yeah. so that, that's why they got rid of the name Elder Hostel because it was connoting to old people. And this is actually for active adults, I would say, in most cases, at least in our case. Well, and they're very clear on their programs that if they're going to be physically more demanding, they say so. And the next thing I want to mention were the LED strip lights. Let's see. we <laughs> This has been something of an ongoing issue, and I actually had a couple of emails about this too, that uh, people have found that they don't have enough light in their RVs. And last time we talked about LEDs. People like your wife didn't have enough light. In the Where didn't you have enough light? <laughs> I've lost two sets of contact lenses in my <laughs> bathroom since we've left home. And it's it's a conundrum to me they because we have so many light fixtures because we have AC ones and we have DC ones. And even with all that, I still was not seeing well enough for my aging eyes. In actuality, we have no AC lights. So it was so cool when we were um, toured by a, f- a fellow participant in Howard and Linda's boondocking rally to see the net lights that she had put up inside her rig. And they reminded me a lot, for those of you who are as old as I am, of those strips of little sugary candies that you used to buy on a white sheet of paper. They're just Uh these little dots. Uh And it came on a flexible strip Strip. with adhesive on the back. 13 feet long. That you could put anywhere. And and they were cheap. That's the really the shocking thing is that these strip lights, which have 600... LEDs in a 16-foot strip that has adhesive on the back, which you just mentioned. You can cut them any place. So you can make strips. To fit the purpose. Right. I don't mean any place, but they have certain spots that you can cut them, but they're every four or five inches. So that you can cut it to make it any virtually any length that you would like. They run on 12 volts exactly so that they can easily be hooked up to our our electric system in the RV. So any of the, you just take a, a power off of one of the existing lighting uh, circuits. And they can be taped down, stuck onto almost anything, under under counter in your kitchen, around your mirror in the bathroom. The woman who showed us hers had put them in the, in the closet, closet, which you've done with too. your closet now as well. Um, RV closets are always dark. They come in warm white and daylight. And are bright. And are very bright. Almost too bright. They're not too attractive when they're off, but the light they give out is worth but it. But they're unobtr- unobtrusive they're because there they're is small. no fixture. And if we could find a little sort of bezel or something just to fit around it, it would be actually quite nice. Anyway, if you are looking for some sort of extra lighting in your RV that's very energy efficient, that is very inexpensive, we bought two strips and you need some connectors and the little extra doodads to make it work right. 
because you can't just you have to have special connectors to wire them in. Um, and I soldered them all in, and and you know it just took a couple hours to to install the set around the mirror. And with that, she now has a very bright mirror, and those cost it cost less than sixty dollars for the whole outfit. And I'm thinking about they have outdoor they have color blinking ones. Mm, they have colored one, colored mm. ones. We went. I think we mentioned last time that we met, went to Camping World and look at stick-on strip lights. Similar. And I the set they that they bigger. had, the set that they had was over a hundred dollars. So you look on Amazon for Hit H I T lights. That's the brand name. Or I will put Hit a link light. to the strip lights. Uh, they come in a roll so that it looks a little bit strange, but um, you get this roll. Through Amazon Prime, they work very well and will light just about anything um, as long as you don't mind seeing them. So they're not replacements. Although, you know, I was thinking that you could take out the fluorescent Fixers tubes and, pl- and glue them put in there two too. or three strips of these, or maybe four strips, yeah. in the fixture and have use a lot them. of light there too. Not as bright as the ones we bought. Mm-hmm. Very inexpensive. Because right. you could do, I would say, four or five fluorescent light fixtures. For the thirteen dollars, wow, that would be thirteen dollars for a strip, a sixteen-foot-long strip. Because the replacement fixtures were, were like forty. Yeah. So you might want to consider that, uh, and you want, might want to take a look at the website because we'll have some pictures up there of those. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but thank you, Melba, Melba, for giving us that great tip. And this is one of the big things about going to a RV rally. That you know, we went to the Boondocking Rally sponsored by RV Dreams, Dreams, Howard and Linda, in, who you'll hear from later. Right, in the desert of Quartzite, Quartzite, our second visit to the to Quartzite. This time, however, we were eight ten miles out of town, and we formed the campground circle because there were about uh, thirty five rigs yeah. there when we were there. Uh, it was a two week rally. Because of uh, rules, as we spoke about last time, you can't actually plan activities in advance, but you were welcome to get together with your friends and camp there. But there were various things that were sponsored on the spot. Spontaneous things. Spontaneous things, right. There was no agenda. And we did appreciate uh, going because we met uh, quite a few nice people. Most of the people there, and if you're thinking about starting yourself off in the world of RVing, you might want to think about uh, visiting and examining in detail Howard and Linda's website, RV Dreams. Very extensive. Um, This couple started with absolutely no experience and plunged (laughs) into the full-time RVing life. And as they learned about things and had adventures and misadventures, Adventures. They documented them extensively. Um, they keep very accurate financial records to give you an idea of how much this lifestyle could cost you. And they're very open and sharing and have built uh, a loving community, which is an awesome thing to witness. So we were very glad to talk to them again because this was our second visit with them. Actually, five years ago, uh, when both uh, our podcasts as well as their website was fairly new, we talked to them in Texas, and we did an interview with them. And if you'd like to uh, listen to that, of course, we will have a link to that on our website so that you can just click on the interview and hear the first interview if you'd like to hear that one before this one. With that said, uh, there were lots of people there, and they had some good ideas. And one of the good ideas uh, for a session that we got together was uh, sharing ideas uh, for modifying your RV. A show-and-tell kind, show kind of thing. And we had uh, one. I talked about my solar porch light, which I will put up another picture of. 
uh, on this link. And remember, that's the flag light that I use to shine down on our entrance door so that when we come home in the evening, you can see your keys. Unfortunately... You have to remember to take it down before you leave the campsite. <laughs> We've only lost three now. <laughs> it's obviously not part of our routine yet, so Ken got out one of those steering wheel clip-ons that another podcast listener right. sent us to remind him that he needs to do that before we leave here. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we shared that idea. Another one, Another great idea was making a portable campfire, and this is where you take a metal tin, uh, that might be a foot in diameter, and you like fill a it. number ten can or a big, oh no no big bigger than number a 10. big um, cookie cookie yeah, container, and you fill it with corrugated cardboard. You melt paraffin, you pour it in, put in a couple of candles or four or five candles in there to act as wicks, and then seal it up. And when you want to have a campfire at a place that doesn't allow campfires, this is considered to be a candle because it's paraffin. You could set it out on the cement, and you can then have uh, a campfire with a fairly large flame and actually get some heat off of it. I'm not sure if making s'mores would be such a hot idea. But this rally was um, out in the middle of the desert, and we talked about boondocking and boondocking tips. Uh, the people there were, there were several very new RVers. One couple had been on the road 10 days, I remember. Yeah, and even less in some cases. And so they were very interested in learning about boondocking, and there were people who were uh, more or less able to boondock. And there, most of the people there were considerably younger than we are, and yes. some of them were still working. One woman we hardly ever saw because she put in 13-hour workdays <laughs> in her rig before she came out to join the evening campfire. Which is cool that you can actually, these days, work and travel and live in your RV full-time and, and make a go, a go of it. And, of course, Howard and Linda are doing that big time anyway. Uh, so they are good examples. But they are doing it based on RVing, not on uh, other jobs. And so it's very interesting to hear their interview, and we emphasized uh, their lives rather than uh, tips and tricks about uh, how to RV. Now we will uh, turn it over to our interview with Howard and Linda, and hope that you enjoy this. Uh, unfortunately, it will cut off all of a sudden, and we will be continuing it next month as part two. Hello, dear listeners. We are gathered here today with someone that you heard from last time. January 22nd, 2007. I had to look that up. Um, and we are so happy to catch you up with Howard and Linda Payne, a young couple, well, they're young to us, who, who we first met shortly after they sold their home and decided to live their RV dream full-timing on the road. And we are gathered today in Quartzsite at a boondocking rally, which they sponsored, and they have been very busy sharing their boondocking tips with all the participants, and we're glad that they had a little time to spend with you and us, catching us up on what they've been doing since January 2007. 2007. So, what have you been doing? <laughs> Well, first of all, thanks for joining us at our, our boondocking oh, rally. Happy to be here. This is our it's first kind of one we've ever had. Experience. Our first time boondocking for, with a group in the desert like this. So this yeah. is a fun experience for yes. us, too. So, uh, 2007. Mm hmm. Yes. We did a combination of traveling and work camping uh -huh. since 2007 up through 2011. Uh -huh. And then after 2011, we, we just got to the point where. 
I get antsy sitting still for four months at a time with the work camping. So we decided at that point to spend a little more time on our little businesses that we have developed to generate income for us to live on the mm-hmm. road. So we've done less work camping the last two years and, and done a little more public speaking and that kind of thing. Uh, Focused so more so on RV, RV dreams. dreams uh, yeah. So you've been, that was a conscious decision. Yes, it is you, a conscious decision. You that, could have uh, just continued uh, work camping and being. Well, what we found was that. RV Dreams suffered uh-huh. when we work camped because uh-huh. our readers want us moving. They want to read what's going on mm-hmm. up to a certain degree. You know, I mean, they're excited when we get to a new job, right. but after yeah, two yeah, or yeah. three months at that job, they're ready for us to move on. What can you say after a while about it's your work hard. camping position? Exactly. Yeah. And people, they, they like to hear the day-to-day part of the full-timing lifestyle. Uh-huh. They know it's not all puppies and roses and daisies every day uh so they like to hear even the mundane stuff Mm -hmm. but after a while there's only so much you can write about and keep it interesting right so it's better for us to stay on the road and keep moving and it's easier for me to write and and part of that was taking on the the rv weighing Mm -hmm. um that we're doing uh, with rv safety education Mm -hmm. foundation that allows us to earn a little supplemental income on the road but keep traveling your overall lifestyle has changed dramatically since you lived in the house, certainly. Has this worked out okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are um, continue? We're planning to continue. There's no sign of really? stopping yet. Uh-huh. Um, I think what has happened is that RV Dreams has, has grown so much over the years. Back in 2007, it was still... Uh, still quite small. We hadn't started doing rallies or the education part of our website as much. In 2008 is when it took a big change. That is when we started the forum and we started the chat room in 2008. What happened was all of a sudden our readers began to be familiar with each other and a community started. Then they all started talking about we want to meet in person uh, we know we've met each other through the forum in the chat room so that's when the first RV dreams rally was thought up was in 2008 and at the first one we did some training and we did some education but we found out that the they were really, really interested in learning. They wanted more seminars and things like that. So now our rallies are, are very much geared towards education of newbies, people who have no RVing experience or you know, don't know much about the full-time lifestyle. And you've gone into, uh, you've gone into working on uh, doing outside things, too, with, mm-hmm. with uh, well, you just came back from Grand Rapids. <laughs> right. We, we're doing some public speaking now. The RV shows are contacting us and having us come in for their shows to present seminars, um, mostly about the RV lifestyle. Sure. And so, yes, we've been contacted two years in a row for, by the Grand Rapids RV show to come in and speak. And, and we just, spur of the moment, did the Charlotte RV show in North Carolina the week after that. And uh, so we that's did fun. Boston a couple of years ago. Boston a couple of years ago, and, and now we're doing two of our own educational rallies each year. And we just love spreading the information, and people are so enthusiastic and wanting to know more. And, and uh, it's just so much fun to be around that type of enthusiasm and earn a little money along the way doing it. So. We certainly picked up on that here. When we got here, we feel like we're with the Howard and Linda disciples. 
<laughs> we jokingly say sometimes that it, sometimes people say it's a cult. <laughs> and it must be kind of disorienting for you as it sometimes is for us that people know so much about you and you don't know them at all. Right. It's a weird feeling. Well, we're used to it. When we meet someone like that, the first thing they say is, I know you, but you don't know me, you know, and then, of course, we have to get to know them. But a lot of people that are here are people that have been to our other rallies. Yeah, this is a know. new type of rally for us. So it's been a whole lot of fun so far and not so much relying on us to do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. not nearly as structured as our educational mm-hmm. rallies. Right. Are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's on people a much are, tighter schedule. and yes. People are left to their own devices more here. Well, and this one is more social. Yeah. This one's way more social than it is learning kind of thing. I would hesitate to ask you this, but you're always so frank and open on your website, which is something I think your readers really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Uh, You open up your lives and share with them. Uh, And you referred to 2008 as a year when things changed. And as I read your blog and lived through 2008, a lot of people's finances and their economical situation changed. And I kind of wondered as I read your website um, if some of the moves you weren't making were because of the fact that you couldn't live off the proceeds from your investments as you could when you first started this dream. Right. In in 2005, 2006, when we first started, yes, we had... We had investments and, and some savings, and, and the income off of those investments was, was pretty good in, in that year and a half. Um, but we knew that that wasn't going to last, and we knew at any time that the market could turn and our assets could shrink. So we knew all along that we were going to have to do some working. Uh, we certainly weren't expecting it to drop as quickly as it did in 2008. But one of the things that we did was that year we took our first 40-hour-a-week work camping job. Mm-hmm. So we worked. 40 hours a week, both of us, um, and were paid a pretty decent wage, to it, which helped keep our expenses down during that period, but it also helped us build quite a bit back up in our accounts during that time. We were working hard, but that's okay. It was temporary, and it, it accomplished what we needed it to accomplish at mm-hmm. the time. But the evolution, though, the evolution of, of RV Dreams and that community and the rally all happened before the drop in the market. Um, so it was already happening. That that evolution of doing rallies and things had ar- had already happened, and then the market crashed. Mm-hmm. But we realized, hey, we need to do more of these. Pe- you know, people are wanting to come, but this is also a way for us to earn income. Sure, so, sure. you know, it was, it was part of the evolution, but it was already starting to happen before that. And clearly you're filling a need because there was nobody like this for you when you first started thinking about the RV dream, right? The only thing that was really available was Life on Wheels. And we, at the time, didn't have the time to attend Life on Wheels uh, because we were working. And then when we quit our jobs, we were afraid to spend that kind of money (laughs) to go to it because it was kind of expensive. But we did eventually go. Uh, to Life on Wheels. We actually negotiated our way in there. We yeah. agreed to present a seminar in exchange for going to the Yeah, to that other sounds seminars. like you. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty resourceful. <laughs> yes, you are. So looking back on 2007, if you knew then what you know now, would you have done anything differently? We've had ups and downs along the way, but so does everybody. Every, yeah, every down is a learning experience. That, I, that's what I always think of it. It's like, you know, if we didn't have that part, then we wouldn't have learned it. And so, no, I, I don't think I would have 
changed yeah. anything because one of the things that we we say is we love our RV. We have our fifth wheel. We have loved, and we made a lot of modifications to it. Um, but had we known then what we know now, we probably would have never bought it in the first place. You know, because now we have so much other knowledge about what to look for in buying one, we probably never would have bought that one. And and that would be a real shame in, in our life because we love it and the things that we've done to it, we have learned along the way and we know why we've done it. And it would be hard to, to move into another one at this point. So. A little bit more because this is the number one question that we get. It is. Is, you know, what should I buy? And, of course, we have moved up from... Uh, a, a class B to a travel trailer to a fifth wheel and now to a 40 foot diesel pusher and you just kind of started off right away with the with the fifth wheel right the pickup truck. we just jumped now, right is, into that so is your advice has always been to start with a fifth wheel I think or well I don't know what is your advice no our, what do our, you tell newbies our advice is there's no perfect RV yeah, well no, yes there, first of all there's no perfect RV but it's a, such an individual choice. We know people that are full-timing in truck campers. Right. And actually, there's a casita. There's a couple full-timing in a yeah. casita small travel trailer here at this rally. And it's just a matter of, of what's, what works for you. And we, our advice is to go to RV shows, go to lots of dealers, walk through them, do your homework, understand the pros and cons of each, Ultimately, it comes down to how you feel when you walk in. It's like shopping for a home. Mm -hmm. And all of us have shopped for homes in the past where you go through house after house after house, and suddenly you walk into a place and you say, this is it. This feels right. Yeah, but the problem is is that I've lived in houses all my life. I've lived in apartments, but I've never lived in an RV. I mean, we've had that advantage. But, you know, it's really interesting. Linda comes into our, our motor home here sits in the most comfortable chair in the motorhome <laughs> to me it says i hate this chair i didn't say i hated your chair no, no but you found it but you found it uncomfortable i didn't mean that in, in any negative way but i mean that's exactly the same thing that happens i mean Correct. this is this is very simple with a chair with a chair absolutely the rvs you walk in and you say i mean we've done this many times like you know like these ones with a bath and a half for instance i just say whoa what's is that about or all electric um i say what you know what are they thinking of but some people right and but, I, but, that, but but we need to but we need to be better than that we need to help people and give them some right. criteria well we we do in one of our seminars we we talk about buying an rv for full-time living full-time or extended living mm -hmm. okay and we have a whole seminar on that mm -hmm. subject so because, this is something you've really focused yes, on because we get help the, people with they they want to come into our our rally and they want us to say this is what you should buy well of course they do. well yes. and of course we can't then you're responsible yeah. we can't say that i mean right. we we still couldn't say that even if we said this is mm -hmm. you know but then they'll turn it around and say well if you were buying again what right. would you buy you know that kind of thing i would give them my hot list of of some of the few that would be high up on the list of what I'm looking at. I would still, at this point in our lifestyle, we would still go with a fifth wheel. That's just where we are still. I never say never on yeah. motorhome because at some point we may want to go to a home, sure. motorhome. But what we like to do in that seminar is give them things to think about the way they live, mm -hmm. the, what type of person they are, what type of person, how they think they're going to travel. 
Are they going to move often? Mm-hmm. Are they going to sit still more often? You know, so we get them thinking about how they picture their lifestyle and then guide them towards what may work better for you. Right. Yeah. One of the things that we try to keep them from is getting overly enamored with the interior. So we try to educate them on things like tires and wheels and suspension and all engines. All that boring and stuff. All that boring <laughs> stuff. Right. That will ultimately make their lives hopefully better if they concentrate on it and they they do their homework about that kind of thing. Everybody's selling the interior. So and it's certainly a piece of it. But there there's a lot more to it, especially if you're gonna live in it for any length of time. So we, we try to make sure that they're at least thinking about things other than the interior. And one of our big suggestions is to talk with people like you who have owned multiple types of RVs and have them ask people like that, why have you switched? And that, I think, provides a great deal of insight for, for folks. Because we surely can't give that information. We've never had a motorhome. So we always, at our rallies, we'll, we introduce the ones that have switched from fifth wheel to motorhome or some motorhomers that have gone to fifth wheels, and we point those people out. Go talk to these people. Ask them questions. You know, what did they love about the fifth wheel? What didn't they like about the fifth wheel? What did they love about the motorhome? That kind of thing. And really interview them so that they can start putting it together. And then ultimately we say, once you buy it, let it go and get out there and enjoy the lifestyle. Don't fret over it after you buy it. Yes. Just let it go and live it. Have fun. You know. One thing I've always felt very fortunate about in my camping life is that I was married to a very handy person who's good at fixing things. And <laughs> Howard, you regularly make jokes on your blog about how unhandy you are. And we certainly have friends that we've been trying to talk into going on the road with us who hesitate in that regard. So what would you say to, to our friends who are not as mechanically inclined as my husband is about RVing? There are a couple of things. Some things are better left to experts. So just understand, and this is one of the things that we say in, in our basic seminar is RVs break, all of them. doesn't matter what you spend on them, how nice they are, they break. So you're going to have to deal with repairs at some point. Now it's a question of whether you can do them yourselves or you have to take them to a service center. Uh, who's going to make the repairs? There are tons and tons of RV repair places all across the country, and with a good roadside assistance, you really you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be handy at all. Um, but if you have some skills and you take your time and learn it, a lot of the repairs in the RV world are not all that difficult. And with the Internet now, you can do all your own research, and you can figure out how to, how to do a lot of the minor repairs yourself and not be inconvenienced too much. Um, it's... It's just a matter of how open you are to that. I've learned how to do a lot of things by watching others make repairs. Um, And then in RV parks or wherever you go, there's always somebody there that is handy. And you can call on them to help you, help you diagnose. And a lot of times they volunteer to help you fix it or fix it for you or give you suggestions on, on the best repair. So certainly... No reason not to do it because you're not handy. Because when we started out, I had no business repairing anything. And you've just kind of, I've kind of learned over time. And the more you learn about how the RV works and how to fix things, 
it kind of clicks in your mind how all these systems work together, and eventually you understand your home better. Before we went on the road full-time, that was one of my big high-anxiety things because I knew he couldn't fix a thing. I was just seeing us broken down on the side of the road. I mean, I was picturing all these horrible but situations. You've had that to you, right? Absolutely, yeah. we have. You've lived through and it. we've lived through yeah. them. And it's really, it's all about what, how you let your mind deal with it. If you've got emergency roadside assistance, which we recommend every yes. RV have, Absolutely. and you have RV-specific right, emergency roadside service. They will get you to safety. You are not going to be in harm's way on the side of the road for very long. They get you to safety. There are RV dealers all across this country, and for the most part, they're all there and willing to help. There's mobile RV techs in just about every town, and they'll come and fix something. And I always say that, to me, is the best way to get something fixed because I can watch them fix it. Mm -hmm. And then if something happens, then because I am more mechanical than Howard is. And a lot of times, if I can see what they're doing, I can fix it again. You know, almost eight years on the road now, uh -huh. he's learned how to be a... I mean, I can actually say I, he might be able to fix that. Before, <laughs> I would say absolutely no way. But we also... I also made sure we bought a seven-year extended warranty mm -hmm. when we bought our RV because I was like, yeah. we're going to be in the shop. Anytime something's broken, we're going to have to go to the shop. So that's about to expire. We just no. We've already got a new one now. You got a, <laughs> yeah. She's so we got four more years, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, to me, one of the most important factors is preventative maintenance. Yes. Absolutely. And that will save you a lot. And that's something that I think anybody can do. You know, you just follow the the preventative maintenance tips, either that you read or that are part of the manufacturer's suggestions. And I think that takes you a long way in making it. A reliable vehicle, but you're right. Things always go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and even so. And even the preventative maintenance. You know, yes. it, many of us know we should do it, but it's just not something that we're inclined to do. And it's it can be tough. But if you're not going to do it, at least have somebody Pay do it. Pay somebody to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and, you, and you're going to have to do that. And it's going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's just no two ways about it. Right. It's going to be expensive. It's specialized service, and everything in here is unique. Well, he asked me the other day, he said, um, Linda, do you want new flooring? Because our flooring is starting to go. I mean, we're mm, almost we eight years new, into this. This used to be carpet. He goes, do you want new flooring or new tires this year? And I said, well, that's a no-brainer. We have to have new tires. Yeah. If we're if we're choosing between those two, it's new tires. Yep. Um, that's what we roll on, you mm -hmm. know. So um, I'll get my new flooring one of these days. We have to prepare and budget for right. it. Right. We have to budget mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. One thing I remember talking to you about in 2007 is the emotional upheaval you go through when you first leave your hometown and your house and head off in, on the road and, and your RVs website you talk a lot about your extended family on the road and i'm wondering how that has changed your relationships with people over these last five years wow back in 2007 okay that's way before any rallies or anything right. by the way we do an entire seminar on just the emotional aspects of going full-time that's important it's a big discussion and we've had so many wonderful comments after the that particular seminar of people going thank you so much for saying what you said because now I understand I'm normal and or now my husband understands 
how why I get upset or something like that. But the relationships, the people, we often will tear up when we think about if we ever had to stop RV dreams for any reason. We both get very emotional about that because we feel like we have such a huge support system across this country. Uh, Even when we lost the engine on our truck this past summer, the outpour of love and concern, it was amazing. I mean, people were offering to drive hundreds of miles to give us a vehicle, you know, or to take us to where we needed to be. And um, I mean, it was just amazing. We just... And we get so excited when we have gatherings like this because we get to get back together with people and meet new people to add to that whole thing. But I would say that is the greatest part of RV dreams are the people. It's the greatest part of it. And RVing. And RVing in general. Well, we hope that you enjoyed Howard and Linda's interview thus far. Uh, We're looking forward to hearing the second half next month. You bet. And you might want to consider uh, enrolling in one of their rallies. They have more structured rallies at other times of the year. I think twice a year they're planning on having a structured rally. And be sure to look at their website, which for the most part is free. They have great forums, great places to ask questions, especially if you're a little bit uh, of a newbie and want to uh, be caught up and brought up to speed uh, in the RVing world. If you're a newbie camper or if you're thinking about the full-timing lifestyle. Right, especially if you're thinking about the full-timing lifestyle. So with that, we will... Wow, we've got to get out and play some golf here. The sun is shining. <laughs> the sun is shining, and we haven't had too much experience with that uh, this winter. The sun is out. The warm is out. The golf clubs are waiting. And we will see you in a campground near us. And we just missed somebody at the rally. So next Sorry month, hopefully, that. we'll actually see somebody in person. Talk to you later. Bye for now.